Well, John Deeth has helped build more than $5 billion worth of homes here in Canada and East Asia. He was a longtime member of the BC Bar Association, uh, but made his career in real estate, whether that be financing, investment and development in Canada, the United States and around the world for over 50 years. Now, Mr. Deeth recently told the Vancouver Sun that while working out of Hong Kong and China, Macau, Singapore, here in Canada, he occasionally witnessed suspicious dealings, uh, apparent money laundering, bribing, tax evasion underground banking, and other forms of potential corruption. Uh, He realized uh, that many cases are virtually impossible to prove in a court of law. But based on his experience, he's written a crime thriller. It's called Laundering the Dragon, Black Renminbi. It's published by Adagio Media. Mr. Deeth joins us now. John, thank you for speaking to us today. Hi, Jazz. Nice to be with you. Yep. So let's chat a little bit about um, uh, this book, Laundering the Dragon. Uh, you know, you've witnessed a lot, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, your past experience. Um, how difficult was it for you to take some of those you know, things that you've witnessed and you've seen and to put it into a novel? Well, it became a novel because uh, I realized that the background information to write a technical book was actually not there and, and actually isn't there, as Cullen found. We can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it became a, um, it became a, um, a light thriller about my lifetime, but then I decided to take it right back to the history when, when uh, communist China was formed in China and uh, what happened there, and how that progressively affected Canada. And it has, and his poor old Canada now ever ever accepting all these things that are going on, uh, while China, um, so far, has managed to have the upper hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in regards to what you witnessed, uh, broadly speaking, what kind of things uh, could you touch upon in regards to where you said, you know what, this this is not right? What kind of things did you see? Oh, boy, where do you start? I mean, I, I, I've been very lucky in my life. I, I'm a working-class kid. Mm-hmm. left school when I was 15 in England, and I uh, ended up as chair of one of the biggest corporations in North America, and I've, and I've worked all around the world. But my first movement when I left uh, university, because <clears throat> eventually I managed to get back into school, when I left university, I became... Um, a, a kid of the empire. I mean, that that sounds like ancient language now, doesn't it? I mean, my grandkids, my grandkids all laugh when I say that. But really, you know, I went back to Hong Kong when it was a colony, and when the British were in control, a hundred percent. And when I realised that all the stuff I'd been told as a kid about everything being British and best and the wonderful empire and all that was just not true. The whole thing was just just steeped in crime and and kickbacks and payoffs and and basically that's still the way most of the world is mm-hmm. fortunately not yet canada mm-hmm. but i see signs of it creeping in and that's really what happened uh, my wife and i were in hong kong and um we um we had a meeting with a with a ex-colleague of mine she laughingly said to him i suppose you still pay um millions of dollars in bribes, the way John was experiencing when he was here. Mm-hmm. He laughed and said, come on, hundreds of millions, we're a big company. <laughs> and then we said, we said, well, what happens to that? She said, they, he said, well, it probably finds its way to Canada. And that's basically what has been happening. 
with the federal government, which has done nothing at all to stop this. Yeah. Now, do you think, just from your vantage point now, Xi Jinping went, you know, I used to live in, I lived in China in 2011 and 2012, just before Xi Jinping got into power, uh, but you could already see them tightening and uh, tightening at least uh, their grip on, on civil society and, and openness. And, and there has been some attempt to go after corrupt officials. Do you think uh, there has been any sort of uh, you know, deep desire to deal with the structural ch- challenges within that system to fix it at all in your mind? Absolutely. I, I mean, I've got many, many Chinese friends. As uh, as uh, one of the reports said, uh, um, I think the Chinese are a great people. I really do. But I mm-hmm. think they've just got an awful system now. And, you know, I've experienced that during my lifetime developing uh, as it did in Hong Kong. Uh, through Hong Kong now. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, absolutely. But the changes that happened in China, I believe, were certainly not... Um, they happened, but they were moving other people out and moving other people in. It was getting more control personally for the for the ones who were in control. It, it really had nothing whatsoever to do with ethics. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, in regards to Canada itself, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine recently in the business community. He says one of the problems prior to all all our, you know, challenges with China now with foreign interference and the broader conversation that's changed a little bit in the last couple of years is that China has been viewed as a place for easy money and most importantly fast money, not just in regards to selling residential real estate, but also, you know, attracting investment for some of our uh, resource sector, whether it be mining, whether it be other industries, that we viewed it as fast money and easy money. Um, Do you think that has changed now? I don't know. I, I think it's changed from a from a Chinese point of view in China, mm-hmm. and I think it's a very <clears throat> becoming a very different place in which to invest. I mean, I've been I've been working all over the world, and uh, um, India, for example. I mean, every country has got its own characteristics, hasn't it? As you know, mm-hmm. and uh, China is, uh, is is it goes through change after change after change. It's going through another change now, obviously. The population is reducing um, the, the number of people. It's, uh, it's running into those sort of problems, and, uh, and the economy will will fade. I mean, uh, at some point, and then what happens? How do the how do the uh, the Chinese government themselves, the Communist Party, because everything, as you know, having been there, is controlled by the party and individuals in the party. I mean, how? How will they react? Will they will they react externally? Will mm-hmm. they attack an external enemy? I mean, to to unify people at home. I mean, we will, we have to wait and see, don't we? Yeah, um, you were talking about the Cullen report. What disappointed you about the Cullen report? Well, it was, that it was basically useless. I mean, but I, I don't blame the provincial government for that. I mm-hmm. mean. Um, my my wife and I actually were in in when we went actually when we went to to uh, Hong Kong as I mentioned and the fellow mentioned about the the great amount of money he was spending, we we actually then went on to London and we had a, a meeting in London with some bankers, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the banks it was public knowledge at the time had just been dinged 1.9 billion in the United States for laundering money, so we said to the bankers. Um, what do you uh, what do you what do you tell us about this this laundering stuff? Because at the same time there was big news in Europe that the Deutsche Bank had been 
literally. I mean, laundering tens of billions of dollars out of Russia, and they've been caught at it. So the, the bankers, I mean, this was just a chat over dinner. Yeah. The bankers said, uh, look, come on, um, what that subject you want to raise, we're not even prepared to discuss about it. And he said, no banker in the world is going to discuss that subject with you because it's, you know, we, we, we just can't discuss it. Yeah, so yeah. Then we came back to Canada, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, um, David Debbie had started up on the, the Cullen thing. And, uh, you know, here was Canada now. I mean, money laundering had officially come back to Canada. People were now talking about money laundering in Canada, of all things. And uh, that's what Cullen was. So, you know, I think Cullen, as a, as a, a result, a million, what was it, um, 1,900 pages mm-hmm. of, of gobbledygook um, ending up, with with actually, I, as far as I can see, no results. I think, but but it did its job. It it, it has attracted attention to money laundering. Th- that the money has. laundering. The, the the money laundering is in the hands of the federal government, not not the provincial government. No, I think you're right, and that's exactly what I was about to say. And I mean, I I don't have a problem with the Cullen report, but but it's still provincial, and some of which much of it was focused on casinos when 95% of the money laundering in this country is banking and that is federal and you raise a very good point there. What do you want to see moving forward uh, in regards to how we actually fundamentally deal with this issue? Do you think there should be a national inquiry of some sort? Uh, What would you like to see done where we can fundamentally deal with this issue because it is ongoing, it is continuing and we do not arrest people, we do not charge people. We have not seen high profile arrests or convictions in this country on the issue of money laundering. What What would you like to see done this, this is absolutely the reason why I wrote my book. <clears throat> the, um, it, it was intended to be a technical book, as I said. Mm-hmm. couldn't find the facts I needed to do it. So I started writing a book about uh, corruption in Canada. And basically, my concern is not actually the, the – the, well, it is the overall figure, figures, of course, and the big deals and everything, the, the big money. But my problem is the creeping attitude in Canada – to, I don't like to use the word ethics because ethics to me is something you can't even define. Ethics is a, it's so subjective that it doesn't mean anything. But the creeping attitude in Canada is, is, uh, is uh, at an everyday level is that people tend to um, accept um, what you might say is sleazy behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll give you an example, um, tax evasion. Um, I wouldn't like to say you personally have been involved in this, but you probably have. I mean, <laughs> money laundering is, uh, is, a, is, a, is, again, Cullen doesn't define money laundering. I would, if I were doing Cullen, I would have defined money laundering and what I meant by it up front, straight away. I would say this is what I mean by money laundering. Money laundering, um, is, I don't know if people are totally aware of this, but money laundering is a, is a knock-on crime, is, is a... A guy from CSIS told me, he said, we don't even really take money laundering as such seriously. It's a knock-on crime. Money laundering has to have dirty money before it can be laundered. Obviously, if you're laundering money, you have to be laundering dirty money. But Canada hasn't got any mechanism going to determine publicly and in court and successfully, including um, Fintrack, 
um, what is dirty money. So if you can't establish the dirty money, however, can you expect, say, a poor, lowly real estate broker to say, I'm, I'm, I'm suspicious of money laundering because the, the government and the officials themselves can't establish money laundering. They're not charging anyone. No, you're absolutely right. John, we've run out of time. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Bye.